Thank you, worship team. Good morning, Belmont. Good morning, other half of Belmont. I don't blame you. It's, yeah, I get it. Um, thank you, worship team, for that song. And, and last week, we kind of started this uh, series on uh, what it means to wait on the Lord. And uh, even this morning, I, I was reminded, uh, how many of you uh, grew up in Chicago going to school on the CTA? Anybody grew up going to the CTA? All right. Now, listen, these young bucks don't know the struggle, okay? They got apps and stuff now that tells them exactly where the bus is and when it's going to be there. We had to just stand at the pole and hope it showed up. There was a promise that we thought was coming, right? And on days like today, the waiting was hard. On days like, I don't care how bundled up you were. I mean, there were techniques, right? There's a process. You learn to put your back to the wind. So when it's really cold, you just do one of these and you let it hit your back. You don't, you don't stare at the wind. That's just going to kill you. Uh, you try to huddle up. You try to walk a little bit. You do that little like, just jump, you know? It's like, just trying to get the body flowing. Like we, we all had this technique, but, but you never knew when it was going to come. And then all of a sudden, finally you see it. You know how you do that halfway step out into the street where you're like, and you see it coming. There's this hopefulness. And right when it comes, it doesn't stop. just keeps going. And then you're really mad. Now you're like super angry. And then finally when the bus that's going to get you comes, there's like six other buses with it. They They all had a meeting. They're like, let's make everyone wait. And everyone shows up. But you get on, right? And I'm going to tell you, and I've said this before, but this is good tips. You know, as I do, the worst thing you can do when you are waiting for the bus was try to walk to the other bus stop. That's the worst thing you can do because you wait and you wait and you wait and you think to yourself, you know, I'm just going to walk to the next bus stop and halfway to the next bus stop, what happens? And you know you're rethinking life as that happens. You're just like, and then you get to the next bus stop and sure enough, you didn't figure it out. You ain't learned nothing. You're waiting, you're waiting, like, this is the next bus stop. And halfway to the next bus stop, next thing you know, you walked home. You walked 17 miles, you didn't even think about it because you kept being impatient. The reality is the best thing you can do is wait. And in the midst of waiting, there's stuff that happens. That's what we want to talk about because waiting is not an idle or passive thing in the kingdom of God. There is something going on in between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise. God is working in the waiting. Last week we talked about Abraham and Isaac, and uh, or Abraham specifically, but the promise of Isaac and what God did in those 25 years as he worked through Abraham. And this morning uh, I want to talk about uh, Isaac's son now. I want to talk about Jacob a little bit. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is Wrestling with God. I believe in the midst of our waiting, we often wrestle with the Lord. Something where we're going back and forth, a struggle, a fight that goes on between you and God. (laughs) Just to give you context of what's going on in Jacob's life, Jacob from the jump is not the greatest of characters. As a matter of fact, his name means liar, cheat, deceiver, usurper. Uh, because, you know, as the story goes, him and his twin brother, when they were born, he, he pulled at his heel trying to be the firstborn because the firstborn got all the inheritance, got everything in them. And so there was always this battle between him and his brother and this fight. And ultimately, it got to the point where Jacob lied and schemed his way into his brother's inheritance. He, he tricked them by selling them a bowl of lentils. I don't care how cold it is outside. 
I'm not giving you my inheritance for some lentil soup. But that's what Esau did. And, and Jacob tricked his father into giving him the blessing by dressing up like his hairy brother. It's a whole crazy story about everything that happens with Jacob. Now, the reality is he could have tricked his father, but his brother wasn't all too happy with him. And his brother, you know, threatens him and he leaves and he ends up getting married and he ends up tricking his father-in-law. And I mean, he's just kind of this shysty guy. And flash forward to where we're at in Genesis chapter 32. And the Lord has been speaking to Jacob and he tells him to go back to where he's from and to essentially not worry about his brother because God's going to bring things together. And so Jacob starts along those paths, but he doesn't fully trust God. He says he does, and a lot of us say we do. But if you read into the story, he doesn't really fully trust in the Lord, even though the Lord has spoken to him. Even though when he prays, he holds God accountable for what God told him. So he reiterates, God, you said that you're going to take care of me, that you're going to bless me, and that my brother's not going to be against me. He, he fully understands, but he doesn't believe because he makes, again, all these schemes to try to get around it. He, he splits his camp into two parties, and, and he sends the first one ahead thinking, well, if you wipe out the first part of my party, then at least the other part can survive. And, and he sends um, gifts ahead to try to smooth his brother, and, and he said, hey, go send him all these gifts so he doesn't uh, get mad at us and try to kill us. And he separates his family and crosses them over just in case. He has all these contingency plans in case God doesn't come through. That's one of the most dangerous things you can do while you wait is set up contingency plans. Because the reality is if you got one foot out the door, you're not fully trusting in God. And so Jacob, again, by his nature, he's scheming, he puts all these plans, and essentially he gets to the point where he's by himself, and the next day he's going to be confronted with his brother, and he's in a moment of waiting, right where we see him in verse 24 of Genesis chapter 32. And listen what happens while he waits. It says, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Interesting. I've read this story a number of times and I was commenting to Pastor Carlos earlier. It's great when you read something and God gives you fresh revelation, something that you didn't notice. And there's a lot of things that I didn't pick up right away as I read this story, but it seems interesting to me. Just for clarification's sake, the man that he was wrestling was not a normal man. Okay? This is one of those instances in the New Testament where Jesus comes incarnate. Okay? He's not born Jesus Christ yet the same way we see in the New Testament. But there were moments throughout the Old Testament when you see something like the angel of the Lord. Oftentimes, that was Christ in the flesh having an encounter with one of his people. And these are one of those situations. So Jesus shows up. And I think it's funny because if you're taking notes, the first thing I noticed that was almost hilarious to me, because every time we think about wrestling with God, we feel like it's something that we have a problem with and we bring it to God and we're trying to kind of go back and forth with it. But the first thing that you got to understand is that in those seasons of wrestling, it is God who is wrestling with you. God's the one who picked this fight. You got to imagine Jacob's just sitting there waiting and some dude comes up and just probably like punches him in the mouth. And says, what's up? You want to fight? 
And, and uh, could you imagine you're just sitting there and somebody just starts randomly wrestling you? Especially if you're like a grown man. It's like, dude, I, who are you? Like, why are you wrestling with me? But the Bible says they wrestled all night. This is, the, the, I can just imagine in my head, they're going back and forth. You know, they're probably just taking two minutes to catch your breath. And, who are you? It's like, shut up, let's wrestle. And it's like, this is awkward. <laughs> But again, like, you don't have a choice because it's not like you're the aggressor. They're coming at you. And so Jacob had no choice but to stand his ground. And what I understand when I see this, it's important for you and I to recognize that there are going to be seasons in your life where it feels like a struggle and it feels like you're wrestling with things and you're not catching a break and it's just going on and on and on. And we love to blame the devil for those things. But God is going, now that's me. I'm causing this fight. I'm struggling with you. See, Jacob was praying to God to deal with Esau, and God said, no, I'm not dealing with Esau, I'm dealing with you. We do that a lot of times, right? Oh, God, you need to deal with my child. No, I need to deal with you. You're the parent, and what you're doing is not right. I don't know why we think we're always right just because we're parents. You're not. You know, we love to quote those scriptures like, you know, honor your mother and father, and we always forget about the don't exasperate your children part. There's instructions on you too, and don't be nagging at your mama because I'm going to tell her later to get back at you. I love some of them are like, it's her. <laughs> I know. But the truth is that God's the one that's often going to deal with you, not the person you're praying about. You don't have any control over the person. God's like, no, no, before I deal with them, let me deal with you. Before I deal with your spouse, let me deal with you. What's going on with you that's not cool? What's going on with you that I have to wrestle out? There are things in our lives that God has to literally fight out of you. That he has to wrestle out of you because you're not willingly giving it up. Like stubbornness. God fights that out of you. God wrestles that out of you. Well, no, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, God's going to wrestle that out of you. There are times my wife and I, we've had conversations over the years and, you know, we'll watch a show. You ever, ever get in trouble for something you watch on TV? Like the character on TV did something and then your spouse is looking at you like, I didn't. That's the show, babe. It's not me. <laughs> But there'll be someone on the show who will cheat or something, and she'll just look at me, and I'm like, we're watching the same show here. And so there are times where I'm like, you know what? I would, I would never hope, I pray to God you would never cheat on me, but I'd like to think if you did, that God would give me grace to forgive you and love you. And she'll look at me and go, I don't care what the Lord says, I will never forgive you. <laughs> and I'm like, babe, that's kind of stubborn. She's like, yeah, I'm not. You're the pastor. <laughs> I was like... And I, I hope she's joking. No, she's not. She's dead serious. <laughs> Listen, there are, there are parts of us, and it's more serious, but there are parts of us that if we're honest, we won't listen to God. Yes. <laughs> there are things right now that you're not listening to God on. You're just stubborn about. And you know it's wrong, or you know you're not doing right, and you just honestly, you don't care because you have a stubborn heart. You think God just lets that slide? No, God will fight you for that. God will fight you when you're self-reliant. He'll wrestle that self-reliance out of you where you think, well, I don't need anybody and I don't even need God. And what does God do? All right, let me move that hip socket just a little bit to show you how fragile you really are. Let me remind you how self-reliant you really are not. Things like sin and addiction. You feel like you're struggling against the enemy. No, you're struggling against God. Because you're not relenting, you're not releasing. We, you know, so we do things like we pray, God, take it away. And God's looking at you like, let go of it. I'll take it when you let go. But sometimes God's got to wrestle it out of your hands. Things like anger, unforgiveness, 
pride. Oh, pride's a big one, isn't it? Most of us who struggle with pride don't realize we have it because we're too prideful to notice the pride. Well, God will fight you for that. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. And the word oppose means I wage war against. So when you are proud, God says, fine, I got to fight that out of you. We're no different, I think, with our own children. You know, they're, our children, when they're stubborn, when they're proud, when, and I, I don't care how old they are. You guys know, my kids are young, and, and they try to stand up, and I got to raise up bigger. You ain't going to raise up over me. I got to remind you, I'm the poppy, not you. <laughs> I'm in charge. You're not. So there'll be times where, you know, just the other day, she raised her voice and she was yelling no. And I just, hey, you don't talk like that. Stop it. It's like, hey, why? I love you, but you will not allow your stubbornness to override my parenting. Do you think the Heavenly Father is going to treat you any differently? When pride, stubbornness, self-reliance, anger, unforgiveness, when all those things are really hurting you, and God says, listen, because you're unwilling to let go of it yourself, I got to wrestle it out of you. These are the types of things that we often won't willingly surrender to God, and so he wrestles us into submission. James chapter 4, verse 6 through 8 says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture said God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Submit yourself. Listen, God is going to wrestle you into submission to the point where you tap out and you yield and you say, enough, I, I give in. And here's the reality of it. I love the way John Acuff says this. Wrestling with God is a sign of intimacy. You can't wrestle someone you're far away from. See, when God wrestles with you, he's actually drawing close to you. He's not drawing away from you. It's a good thing when you realize that God's wrestling with you because he means that he's there. It means that he's active. It means that he loves you enough that he's trying to get this habit out of you. He's trying to get this attitude out of you. He's trying to submit you, not to define you or, or, or to humiliate you, but to remind you, you can't do this on your own. I don't, I don't try to override my children or, or, or wrestle them into submission and dominate them just so that I can feed my own ego. I do it for their love and protection. Because if my child doesn't listen to me and suddenly they're getting ready to run into the street and I call out and they don't respond, then they're hurt. My child has to know there's reasons why we say what we say and you don't go where I don't tell you to go. You don't do what I don't tell you to do. It's not because I want to be a dominant dad. It's because I want to be a loving one. And the father, he's not submitting you to prove that he's bigger than you. It's already proved. He does it because you don't act like it. And he has to wrestle that out of you. And here's the reality, and some of us won't like to hear this, but if you're taking notes, you should probably need to write it down. God will break you to make you. If that's what he's got to do. God will break you in order to make you. Jacob was broken to be healed, weakened to be strengthened. That's the reality of what he's doing. So when God is wrestling with you, there is going to be a level of brokenness on your part. There is going to be a level of submission, and submission doesn't feel good all the time. And so when we find ourselves wrestling with God, it's why we feel weak. It's why we feel even hurt sometimes. It's why we feel confused, because we don't fully understand what's happening. It's not comfortable. 
And yet God has to do it in order to get a hold of you. It's almost like uh, if you picture the image, oftentimes we've seen paintings of it where Jesus is holding the lamb on his shoulders or he's carrying the lamb. Well, part of that is because when a lamb would not listen and would continue to go off on its own, what a shepherd would do is it would break the lamb's leg. Then it would bandage it up and it would carry the lamb. And as he's carrying the lamb, he would speak to the lamb so that the lamb would become familiar with his voice again. Now that seems cruel and unusual. Why would you break the leg of a lamb? Because what's worse, breaking the leg or letting a wolf eat it because it doesn't listen to me? And so he breaks the lamb in order to heal the lamb. And in the same way, God is gonna put you in situations where you're gonna feel utterly broken. And that's not always a terrible place to be, not when God's behind it. Because when God breaks you, he is also capable of reshaping you. As a matter of fact, when, if you've ever had a broken bone, you know that when that bone heals, that part of the bone where it's broken is actually stronger than the rest of the bone at all because what's been built up around it. The book of Hosea says in Hosea chapter 6, verse 1, <clears throat> Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. When you wrestle with God, there's going to be a sense of brokenness. There's going to be a sense of defeat because you're being defeated. You're being submitted. I don't know if anybody here has ever wrestled or, or you know, wrestled in an actual thing. Sometimes I like watching wrestling matches. The agony on a person's face when they're being submitted or when you watch like UFC and you see the Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and the fact that they actually get them to tap. I mean, there are guys who will rather you break their arm than tap out. And guess what? They'll break your arm. <laughs> Because either you submit or I will break you. That's the whole point of a lot of those grapples and, and moves. It's a threat. And if you don't respond to the threat, pop, <laughs> break. And I ain't gonna lie, as a spectator, I'm like, oh, he should have tapped. He should have tapped. That's nasty. That's not cool. <laughs> but why didn't they? Stubbornness. They know their arms are about to break. They feel it. There's the, the tension right there. But some people are so stubborn that it takes breaking you in order to remake you. Would God prefer you just submit right off the bat? Absolutely, that would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? But when you refuse, God's gotta break something. When you look at the story of Jacob and God, the Bible says they wrestled all night. And that uh, when he, they said when the angel of the Lord realized he could not prevail against them. Think about it like this though. At any moment, Jesus could have won. Any moment. How do I know that? Because as it got to daybreak, he just pushed the socket a little bit and his hip popped out a joint. I mean, that tells you the level of strength difference between the two wrestlers. So it's not like God couldn't defeat him at any point, but there does come a point where God had to remind him, I win. And if you're taking notes, that's the fourth, third thing you got to look at. Ultimately, God's going to win this wrestling match. When you wrestle with the Lord, it will always be God who wins. God is always gonna be on top. God is always gonna be the one that breaks you, not you breaking God. None of us in this room are ever gonna break God. So ultimately, God's gonna win. But here's what has to happen. The greatest decision comes at your moment of defeat. Will you walk away limping, broken, defeated, crying, or will you cling to the Lord? Let's go back to the story of Jacob. He's wrestling with him all night. 
I imagine Jacob thinks he's got a chance. You know, he's like, man, I've, I've held up with him all night. Then all of a sudden, he breaks that hip, pops it right out of the socket. And in that moment, Jacob realizes, I'm done. I'm defeated. I'm humiliated. I'm broken. In that moment, Jacob just could have limped away, a bitter, broken, sad man. But what does he do? He clings to him. And he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Sometimes the only place of humility that we can get to is through brokenness. But I think the reality is a lot of us, even in our brokenness, will not submit to God. Instead, we turn from him. Yes. We're angry with God now. We, we, we're mad at God. And so what do we do? We leave the church. We leave our faith. We, we, we blame God for all these things. And the truth is, God was a part of a lot of that. But it wasn't so that you would run away, so that you would run closer to him. It was him reminding you. But again, some of us are so stubborn. We're like that kid in the neighborhood who would get mad and take his ball and go home. It's like, we don't even like you, bro. We only invited you because you had the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? But nobody likes that person. Nobody likes that person that pouts and oh, I don't want to play with you anymore. Don't play with me anymore. I don't care. And so we get into this attitude like, like, like we're punishing God. <laughs> well, God, I'm not going to believe in you anymore. You do understand like you're on the wrong side of that. <laughs> Like, right, you're not, I mean, yes, God wants you to, but at the same time, like, you're the one that's going to pay the consequences of that. You're the one that's going to struggle with that. And so what happens? Tragedy hits, life hits, struggles happen. We go in this back and forth. We're fighting with our mental health. We're fighting with anxiety. We're fighting with our family. We're wrestling through all these things. And God is trying to do something in you. And rather than submit to what God is trying to do, you turn your back on God. And you lose out on everything that God is doing. Jacob understood, I might have lost this fight, but I don't have to lose out completely. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10, talks about Paul. And here Paul, he's kind of telling everyone, listen, if anybody has reason to brag, it's me. And he goes so far as to even remind them, like, dude, I've seen heaven. And then he says, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, we, we love that passage, but we can't forget God's the one that sent the demon. We don't know if it was an actual demon. We don't know if it was a physical ailment. We're not exactly sure what the thorn was, but we do know this. It was God who allowed it, and it was God who set it up. And it was God who refused to take it away. Why? Keep them humble. Listen, oftentimes, God is going to wrestle things out of you, and God is going to move in such a way where you're going to submit. And in that moment of submission, you have to decide, do I cling to God? Or do I run from God? And the fourth thing is this, if you're taking notes, is that God's win doesn't mean you lose. God's going to win. We all know that already. At the end of the day, God wins. But that doesn't mean you lose. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
In other words, listen, if I'm going to lose this fight, I'm not going to lose it out completely. I recognize that you're bigger, stronger, more powerful, that you are God and I am not. And so, Lord, if I'm going to lose, would you at least bless me? If I'm going to be beaten, would you at least anoint me? Listen, Hosea chapter 12, verse 3 through 4. Reminds us of Jacob's story. It says he took his brother by the heel in the womb, and in his strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. But listen to what it says. He wept and sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel, in Bethel, and there he spoke to us. You know, when I read that story before, I will not let you go until you bless me. I almost felt like it was this tenacious, courageous, like, man, I might be broken, but I'm holding on to you, man. But you know what Hosea tells us? He wept. This is a broken man. And he wasn't just broken from this one night of wrestling. This is his whole life. His whole life has come to an end in this moment where he recognizes, I've been a liar. I've been a cheater. I've been scheming through life, trying to get my way. And I recognize that my way is not good enough and you've broken me and he's sitting there weeping saying at least bless me at least help me this is a incredible act of humility and it's where Jacob receives his victory Jacob prevailed because he did not give up see the worst thing you can do in a wrestling match with God is get up and walk away he lost, absolutely he lost, but he wrestled all night. He waited on the Lord. He wrestled with him over those things. And the key is not to be overcome, but to not give up. I'll keep wrestling you, God, even though you win. I submit to your authority. I submit to your word. Why do you think, let's go back to our lives, guys. Those of you who've been believers long enough, let's just go back. Some of the greatest breakthroughs in your life come from some of the biggest breakdowns in your life. Where, where you've completely submitted to God. Listen, some of the greatest moments of my life were on my knees at this altar with puddles of tears under my eyes as I recognized, God, I can't, you can. I'm not, you are. I'm at a loss and you have all I need. And it's only in those areas where God can truly begin to work through you. And God can truly begin to move in your life. See, we need to wrestle long enough to see change in our lives. Point number five. We need to wrestle long enough to see the change. Some of us, we, we wrestle with God and then quit two seconds into it. We don't give God time to try to work those things out of us and to try to mold you and change you. And so we get frustrated because it's a little hard. It's a little difficult. We, we get conned into believing, well, I gave my life to Christ, and so now nothing bad should ever happen to me. Sorry. If somebody sold you on that, I apologize. That is not the gospel. The gospel says, in this world, you will have trouble. I guarantee you're going to have trouble. And again, sometimes it's from God. But fear not. I've overcome the world. In other words, you don't have to be afraid of anything the world can do to you because I've already beat the world. And I'm with you in the midst of your struggle, no matter what that is. And so we have to be careful and understanding. When you go back into the story, Jacob asks his name. 
I'm sorry, uh, God asked Jacob his name. He says, hey, what is your name? Now, you got to get this. This is humbling because of the significance of his name. Essentially, he's asking him, Jacob, admit to me who you are and how messed up you are. Jacob means liar, means cheat. He schemed through life. It's like somebody going to you and saying, hey, admit to me all your messed up attributes. Tell me who you are. This past Wednesday, man, it was such a powerful night with the Lord and, and in worshiping, and we were so grateful. And we have a number of people sharing testimonies. And uh, as we were getting ready, I remember I was talking to Pastor Ariel on the side, and Pastor Ariel said, I, I, I think I have a word from the Lord. I think the Lord is speaking on something. I go, what are you, what are you feeling? She said, I feel like the Lord is saying that there are a number of us that are hiding secrets and that God is asking us to release these secrets that, are, that a number of us are, are holding things in. And I said, okay, if, I, I concur with that. We should share that. I'm not sure when, but I'll let you know when is the appropriate time to share that. Before that, I talked to Pastor Carlos. I said, Pastor Carlos, would you mind sharing a testimony about how God took you out of a life of drugs and, and set you free in a prayer meeting? And so Pastor Carlos came up. Now, I didn't tell him what Pastor Ariel and I had spoken about. And he didn't tell me what he was going to share. But as he stood up here, the word of the Lord that God kept burdening him with was not just his testimony, but the very first act that he needed to overcome before overcoming drugs, which was the secret. He was a functioning drug addict for 10 years. His own family didn't know. Listen, some of you, God is wrestling the secret out of you. You're, you're, you're battling this battle secretly. Nobody else knows that you struggle with that. Nobody else knows that you're being defeated by that internal struggle. And one of the first things God needs to do when he starts working through you, before he can bless you, tell me what that struggle is. I'm a drug addict. Uh, I'm, I'm addicted to porn. I'm addicted to cigarettes. I'm addicted to lying. I'm a cheat. Yeah, whatever you're saying, I can name a billion of it. It doesn't matter. Don't wait for me to name it because God's already spoken it over you. But that secret, that's the enemy's leverage over your life. That's how he holds you hostage. Because he tells you, if people find out who you really are, they're going to turn on you. How you think the church is going to love you when they find out who you really are? You think your spouse is going to be okay when they find out what you've done? You, you think your children are going to look at you the same way when they find out who you are? And so what do we do? We bury the secret deeper and deeper and deeper. But I love that God didn't let Jacob off the hook. Jacob requested a blessing. So what did God request? Then tell me your name. In other words, admit who you really are. Stop fronting. Stop trying to usurp. Stop trying to act like you're the firstborn and, and you're this and you're that. No, no, no. Tell me who you are. And he had to admit it. That's in James chapter 1 verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. But I love God's response. Right? He says, tell me your name. He says, my name is Jacob. He says, from now on, your name will not be Jacob, but your name will be Israel. The word Israel means God rules. In other words, no longer are you going to be the liar and the cheat, but God rules over your life. And he will rule over the life of your descendants. This is the change that was needed to happen. Now, it's funny. If you keep reading throughout the Old Testament, he still references Jacob a lot. And the truth is, there's always going to be a little Jacob still left in you. 
But that's not how God saw him anymore. God sees him as Israel. In other words, who you were will no longer be held against you because you're a new creation now that you've wrestled and prevailed. Now that you've allowed me to wrestle some of these things out of you, I will no longer call you as what you used to be. I will call you by whom I see you to be. Worship team, if you can help me out. Genesis 32, 29. There's one more thought here that I think is really powerful. So Jacob has this all-night wrestling match with God. Remember, God's the one who started it. And then God really begins to dive into it and and pull some things out of him. and, And then he really gets him into submission. Jacob admits you're God, I'm not, man. You're in control, I'm not. You're, you are the victor. But he cries out for a blessing. He's forced to confront who he's always been in order to become who God is wanting him to be. And then there's one more important caveat that I think we need to recognize. And that's in verse 29. It says, Jacob, now please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. This is an important caveat that you and I need to pick up on. He blessed him there at that particular place. The place of special trial and testing. The place of intense pleading with God. The place of seeing face of God. The place of conscious weakness. It's in the place that God is wrestling you where he will also bless you. It's not afterward. It's not when you get out of this wrestling match and you get into that new stage of life and that's the place that God will bless you. No, God's going to bless you in the area where you're struggling, in the place where you're fighting, where you're hurting, where he broke you. It's in that place that God is going to bless you. You might be in the middle of a wrestling match with God and I want you to know that there is where God will bless you. It's why we can't run from this fight. It's why we can't hide from God. It's why we have to stick in to this wrestling match and allow God to submit us and allow God to move things around and allow God to even hit our hip if he must and break us down if he's going to. Because we recognize that there will be the place where God will bless me. Well, how do I know? I was thinking about this for myself. There was, long before I became a pastor here, I was just an attender. I was a volunteer youth leader. And I had gotten into it with some people here. Really, it was more on me than anything. It was just something I had an issue dealing with. And I just decided to leave, in part because I didn't want to cause drama. I loved the church. It was just two or three people that I had beef with. And so I decided, I'm just going to leave the church you know, I love this place. I don't want to cause drama. I've seen enough churches get broken and split. I'm not going to, I'm just going to leave. I thought I was being righteous in it. But the moment I left, all the sin that I had gotten away from over the years that I was here, it's almost like they were outside the door waiting for me. And the moment I left the church, there was a, hey, welcome back. Here's all your horrible things again. And within a year, I was right back where I was before I came to the Lord. And finally, that whole year, I, I wrestled with God. I went back and forth. And, and then I finally got the sense, well, I need to go back to church. But my issues were still here. So I'm like, well, I can't go back to Belmont. And can I be transparent? There was a handful of churches that wanted your boy. 
like, you should come to my church. I felt like I was the number one draft pick. I'm like, where will I go? I had like all the hats lined up. I'm like, who am I going to choose? And I just decided, you know what, I'm going to pray. God, what church do you want me to go to? And the Lord told me, you need to go back to Belmont. I'm like, nah, that's not one of the hats on the table, God. Like, what do you mean? I need you to go back. And I'm like, but God, they're still there. And he said, so am I. Are you there for them or are you there for me? I need you to go back. So I came back. And I'm not going to lie to you. Every time I'd walk in and I'd see them, my blood would boil. Literally, I would twitch. I would just twitch in anger. Because I felt like I just wanted to punch people in the mouth. I had a lot of anger issues at that point. And I came in and I was uncomfortable. And people would see it visibly on my face. And I'd have wonderful brothers and sisters that would come alongside me and, and just pray with me. And, hey, it's all right. It's all right. I was so angry. And over time, God began to soften my heart. He began to submit me. He began to deal with me. He began to show me, hey, deal with you before you worry about all these other people. Because you got an unforgiveness issue and you got an anger issue. And Joey, I got to submit you. And eventually God did. And he kept doing it. And I'll just be honest with you. I outlasted the two or three people I had issues with. But if I would have left and not stayed in the place of blessing, which was also my place of struggle, I would have never become a youth leader like God eventually led me to. I would have never became the youth pastor like God eventually led me to. I would have never became the lead pastor like God eventually led me to. I would have forsaken all the blessing in the place where I struggled the most. Listen, some of you, you're struggling at your job. I believe God's gonna bless you there. Some of you are struggling in your marriages. That's the place. It's not gonna be your next marriage. Stop thinking like that. It's in this marriage that God's gonna bless you. It's with these children that God's gonna bless you. It's with this circumstance, in this church. Don't run. If God is instructing you to move on to the next step under his direction, that's a different thing. But like I've heard before, when people have left. It's not that God has called you to come back. It's that God never told me to leave. I did that on my own accord. And God, as he wrestled with me, dragged me back here. And I'm forever grateful that he won. And I'm forever grateful that I said yes. So I want to pray tonight, or today. I'm going to ask you to stand, church, if you might. In a moment, I want to pray for those of us in this room who are wrestling with God right now. There's an area of your life that you're battling with. And I want to pray that God would win. I want to pray that God will bless you. I want to pray that you don't run. But before I do, I'm going to ask you just for a moment, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Because there's another group of people here that I know God's wrestling with. And that's the people in this room who have never said yes to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, I'm not talking about religion or this church. I'm talking about a real relationship with the living God. And why do I say you're wrestling? Because even in this service, there's been something going on in your heart. Something you're resisting. A drawing in, a call to, where you feel like, man, it's just, it feels like he's reading my mail. I'm not. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I believe the Holy Spirit is calling you. Because God desperately wants to have a relationship with you. And so it's not about fixing all your problems. It's about having a relationship with your problem solver. 
So with every head bowed, every eye closed, even if it's just one person, I don't want to skip this because I think it's incredibly important. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I've never given my life to the Lord. Or maybe you're like me, you ran away and God's called you back. Not to this building, but to himself. And you want to rededicate yourself either for the first time or for the first time in a long time. If that's you, all you need you to do, would you just lift up your hand? I want to pray with you tonight. Thank you. Anyone else? That's me, Pastor. Thank you, sister. Anyone else? Thank you, brother. Anyone else? Say, that's me, Pastor. Amen. Thank you, sister. I see you. Church, would you help me pray? Say, Jesus, I recognize that you win. So I ask you, God, forgive me of all my sins. Make me right and make me yours. Help me, Lord, to love you the way you love me. That I may be all you've called me to be. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, church, while we're still in this moment, I want to pray for those of us in this room who are wrestling with the Lord right now. I don't know what your current situation is. And I'm not saying it's exactly God. But I think there's a high chance that he's allowing this for a reason. And that he's trying to do a work in you. And if you're in this place and you want me to pray for you for the the wrestling that you're going through. Again, every head bow, every eye closed, no one else is looking around. But just as a, a way of submission to admit, that's me, Pastor. I need to pray for that. Would you just do me a favor and join me up here? Thank you, brother. Come on, if that's you, if you're wrestling with something, we want to pray with you. Make your way up. Come on, we're not alone in this. You're not the only one. Prayer team, if you help me, just begin to lay hands on people. Can you pray? Just begin to pray for the Lord to bless them. Lord, you see every person in this room right now who's responding in this moment. Our response, our, our stepping out is an act of faith, acknowledging God that we are wrestling with you, Lord. And God, we need you in this moment, Lord. So I just pray for every person in this altar, God, that Lord has just been in this season, maybe short, maybe long, of just wrestling with you, God. That Lord, in this moment, that God, you would set your hand upon them and bless them, Lord Jesus. That the breakthrough would come. That the answers would come. That the understanding would come, God. Lord, whatever their need is, God, 
from you that Lord today you would respond to the wrestling that's been happening God in a very real and supernatural way God again that there would just be a release today we pray for a release over them and a blessing from you God as they've come forward to just say God they acknowledge the wrestling may there just be a release and a blessing on their lives today from you Lord oh God would you bless your people your sons and daughters Lord as they look to you God as they acknowledge you Lord you are great and mighty God we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus amen what I feel to do. If you're up here praying, if you wouldn't mind, would you just linger here for a moment? Just stay up here. We're going to keep praying with you. We're going to go around. If you want to talk to somebody up here and then ask for specific prayers, we want to go ahead and do that. But I want to give you time to linger at the altar and just, whether you want to talk to us or you want to keep praying to God, please don't be in a rush to move away. Because I feel like the Lord's wrestling with you in, at this place right now in this moment. And I don't want you to leave until you feel like the Lord is done wrestling with you. That being said, I don't want to hold the rest of the church hostage. And so I just want to encourage you, church. You may not be in a place of wrestling right now, but I promise you, you will be. Because we all do. There are things that God is going to work through us. And sometimes that work comes through a wrestling match. And I want to encourage you that when that moment comes, submit, surrender, yield to the Lord, and seek his blessing in everything that he does. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, God. God, we thank you for its direction and its guidance. And Lord, we thank you for the seasons of wrestling, God. Because it's in that battle, Lord, where we are reminded again and again who we are and who you are. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not let go until you bless us, God. That we wouldn't walk away from that until we receive exactly what it is that you want to give us. Lord, we thank you that you continually love us enough to fight us when we need to be fought. To remind us when we need to be humbled. To love us when we need to be loved. And so, Lord, I just pray, help us, Father, to continue to become more and more like you in everything that we do. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday. If you're at the altar, please take some time, linger. I'm going to be up here if you need to talk. If you want to, us to pray with you, we want to continue to pray with you. God bless you, church.